Hi there, you're listening to the Steve Schramm Show, where we train Christians to become confident, passionate servants of Jesus so they can grow in their walk with God and share their faith more persuasively. Welcome to the show. Having grown up in church all my life, it was not uncommon to hear warnings against the idea of change. You know, change can be really hard for some people. You know, to be clear, I think that those contexts were of righteous intent. And they might even have had a scriptural basis. I mean, if one is convinced that God does not change, like as in Malachi 3.6, and God's word never changes, as we see in Psalm 118.89, then one might rightly conclude that there is a degree of unhealthy change. But that's not to say that all change in one's position is bad. And actually, I now believe the exact opposite to be true. If you're not changing you're not growing. Passages such as Hebrews 5, 13 through 14 and 1 Corinthians 3, 2 strongly suggest that we must go deeper with God's word, which will necessarily lead to a growth in understanding and quite likely a change in theology. And these are the passages, broadly speaking, that talk about the idea of graduating from milk to meat. Assuming now that change can be a good thing, how should we handle it? Have you ever learned something new that absolutely rocked your world and maybe even has changed how you read the entire Bible? I have. Let me just give you two examples. First of all, there's Molinism. Now, Molinism is the view that through divine middle knowledge, God knew logically prior to creating the universe what any free creature would do given a particular set of circumstances. This view, therefore, reconciles divine sovereignty and human freedom. It shows that God can so arrange the world as to accomplish his purposes while not violating the free decisions made by those whom he created. It's really fantastic. If you're interested to learn more of the nuance behind this view, I would invite you to check out the article I wrote on my personal soteriological position. The article is titled, Mono, uh, excuse me, Monergistic Molinism. You can find that on my website or there's a link there in the podcast notes or in my interview with Tim Stratton, which you can find uh, at the time of this recording on the homepage of my site, but you can also find it in the link in the notes. Understanding God's middle knowledge and how it works, and that's what this um, idea of Molinism relates to, has absolutely been a game changer in how I read the Bible and work through various aspects of my theology. The next one, and the other one that I'm going to mention here, is the divine counsel worldview. This is a view that I have very recently been exposed to, and it's quite literally changed how I understand almost every passage of scripture. Yes, it's that significant. In extreme brief, the view demonstrates that the gods of ancient Israel's neighbors were not reducible to stone idols. Rather, they are very real, intelligent, spiritual beings who were given rule over the scattered nations at Babel as a judgment for the people's rebellion. Some of these beings, much like humanity in Genesis 3, turned wicked and made the free decision to reject Yahweh. You could see Psalm 82, and you see this language there. 
So the gospel is not merely concerned with the salvation and restoration of our souls from the curse of sin, but is very much concerned with Christ, the Son of the Most High, reclaiming the nations under rightful rule and establishing his eternal family, both spiritual and human. I understand that that might sound a little out there for you, but again, I would encourage you to read, if you're intrigued by that, Dr. Michael Heiser's book, Supernatural. You'll really find some great information that is written at a very practical level in that book, and you can graduate to more technical writings after reading that if you would like to. So what do you do when something like this comes in and and just so drastically changes everything that you thought you knew. How do we handle this? Unfortunately, this rather innate resistance to change within certain Christian communities has resulted in many being so paralyzed that they fail to study deeper. If change is possible and should be avoided, then so should any study which could lead to it. That's how the thinking goes. If that's you, I just want to encourage you Come on in. The water's fine. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid of your Bible. Sure, you might change your theology a little bit, but I've already demonstrated that the Bible assumes you will and that you should. If you stay in the same place throughout the duration of your walk with God, then you're not growing, and you're therefore functionally denying that the Bible itself can change you. Let me end out here with four super practical steps that will help you navigate the muddy waters of theological change. Number one is to lift the essentials high. Take the time to understand what biblical essentialism is. What things are necessary for you to be considered a Bible-believing, Christ-following Christian? Don't deviate from these. And Be sure to filter all other theological ideas through them. Good or consistent ideas stay for further evaluation and also integration into the full picture. Bad, inconsistent ones must immediately go so they can stop infecting the rest of your thought. Yes, when you learn new ideas, you will learn good ones and bad ones, and becoming a critical thinker will help you learn how to distinguish between those. But through all of that, make sure you are lifting the essentials high. Secondly is to read a variety of resources. One writer does not have complete purchase on all of Christian theology, nor does one group of writers within some sort of closed system. Proverbs eleven fourteen is a helpful guide. The verse says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Read varying perspectives. Weigh against the essentials. Evaluate the arguments. And find somewhere to land. Thirdly, bridge gaps and make connections. It's important that we view the Bible for what it actually is a human document that was given by inspiration of God. This means that all throughout there are connections to be made and and insights to be uncovered that could revolutionize our understanding of tertiary doctrines. Learn to think in terms of the whole instead of the parts when studying your Bible. Finally, foster your relationship with God. 
this is of utmost importance. Um, in your process of discovery and finding where you land with respect to certain theological views, don't neglect that personal time spent with God. He is your anchor and your rock and your father. God's not a mere object to be explored, but is rather a personal being to be loved, worshipped, and cherished. Finally, allow me to simply underscore the importance of actually stepping out into discovery. A person cannot simply rest upon mommy and daddy's blessed assurance forever. I'm sorry to put it so bluntly, but it's true. We each have our own walk to account for and our own relationship with God to nurture. For me, I shudder to think at how shallow my relationship would be with God today had I not stepped out to really get to know him for myself. Well, God bless you for listening to another episode of the Steve Schramm Show. I'm pleased that you decided to join us this week. If our material is helpful to you and it blesses you, you can help actually directly sponsor the creation of new free content like this for as little as $1 per month. There are some awesome benefits to becoming a supporter as well. You can find out more about how to do that by going to steveschram.com and go into the ministry tab up top and clicking on donate underneath of that. Or you can go directly to patreon.com slash swschram and I will have a link for that in the blog post that accompanies this podcast. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you next time.